0: Blog Talk Radio. Africa. 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 At the center of the world. Latitude zero. Longitude zero. And. By the creator. Africa. Syphazardly. Africa. Syphazardly Thank you.
1: You encourage you to do a higher level activity where you move forward to help liberate your people as well as humanity. And to do this, we have a group of analysts and panelists who will share their wisdom and their expertise on topics of interest in terms of how they are affecting our people daily movements. So, to get started with our party right now, we're going to bring in our political panelists and analysts and the first part of the show what deals with what's going on in your world and community. Well, we're not going to do that second one yet. Like I said earlier, you know how we get started with our party. We're going to first introduce our political and independence for today's show. All right, now we bring in Brother Anthony, and we'd like to welcome him to Africa on the Moon. Welcome, Brother Anthony.
2: My greetings to you. Uh, the fellow panelists and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objectivist Pan Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. Finally, well,
1: brother, Anthony, you bring in brother Haki. Brother Haki, welcome to Africa on the Move.
3: Brother Africa, thanks for having me. My name is Haki Mishoki, Colonel with African Awareness. And of course, you know my thing is all about institution building. Uh, one of the things that you know, I find ironic is that when we look at the current economic situation in America, <clears throat> uh, ironically, nobody in the media has been talking about the depression, economic depression that the country is currently facing. And that's precisely the reason why they're doing that. Part of the reason why we're confronted with this economic crisis because capitalism, implicit in capitalism, is this inability in terms of long-range planning, and that certainly makes it, makes it complicated in terms of uh, this system's ability, in terms of um, being the challenges, in terms of being able to provide jobs and uh, employment and housing for its people. But in any event, I want you to listen to this, and um, in terms of this whole question around uh, the consequences of short-term thinking. Now, the biggest challenge facing humanity is short-term thinking at the expense of long-term planning. Science tells us that areas of brain which covers long-term and short-term thinking, hippocampus and prefrontal cortex, respectively, relegates humans to pursue short-term gains at the expense of long-term planning. Even though history is replete with examples of long-term planning, take Roosevelt's New Deal or President Lyndon B. Johnson's Great Society, for example, these are numerous. There are numerous examples of cultures who epitomize long-term planning. For example, both the Iroquois avoidance of past mistakes, and the Nguni language group of, of South African Umbutu stresses the interconnectedness of all people, mindful of systems that must embrace humanity. This same philosophy is encapsulated in the moral teachings of the Maori people of New Zealand. Now, this concept of long-term planning in contemporary America seems to be a very difficult concept to grasp. And of course, the question is why. There is no question that needs of capitalism its focused on short-term economic gains, conflates long-term planning with lost opportunity to make money. Implicit in desire to make money at all costs is a question of power. Certainly when capitalism equates money to power, the more money you, you obtain, the more power you will be acquired. Now the implications of more power for wealthy, wealthy individuals translate to explicit threats to other nations who seek autonomy and independence. As far as capitalists are concerned, Other nations' desire for independence is tantamount to denying capitalists the opportunity for more wealth and, by extension, more power. Obviously, from a capitalist perspective, long-term planning to obtain wealth from a developing country impedes opportunities. So other strategies must be utilized to ensure short-term wealth accumulation. Whether we're talking about the IMF World Bank, systematic exploitation of trade policy, staging coups, or military intervention, all serve to expedite the pursuit of wealth. We should not deceive ourselves, thinking the pursuit of wealth at all costs applies only to narrow interest. In the U.S., global warming is not taken seriously. Even as the ice shelves' of the Atlantic melts, affect the ocean flow current, which affects weather patterns, or disappearing permafrost, which unleashes methane gas, further contributing to a warming planet, consensus is business as usual. Despite the global death of 150,000 to 300,000 people yearly from global warming, the refusal to implement long term planning to address the surgeons of global warming goes on unabated. Even legislation proposing a carbon tax on companies that pollute excessively was denied. Economic, <clears throat> economic spread is unique to capitalism is indicative of the lack of long term planning. Consistently giving large sums of free money to the wealthy only serves to destabilize the economy. The perfect example is a twelve hundred dollar stimulus provided to people making under seventy five thousand per year or a couple making one hundred fifty thousand dollars per year. The problem with this was roughly of the ter- $2 trillion stimulus was a company a $349 billion expenditures under the Payment Protection Plan, which under certain conditions doesn't have to be paid back if you keep your employees. Most of these funds went to wealthy individuals, not the intended target, which happened to be small businesses. Now, coupled with the fact 12 million poor people did not receive the stimulus and a $500 billion slush fund was set up for funding unidentified corporations, it means both programs, both these chaos program, and a PPP program performed poorly in stimulating the economy. Long-term planning would have been a better option. <clears throat> Utilizing a universal basic income of $2,000 monthly for the 150 million citizens was the only way to ensure the economy would expand and the wholesale corruption could be limited. Instead, the government engaged in short-term thinking only contributed to the economic decline. Consequently, as a result of that short-term thinking, we're currently in an economic depression. Now, as far as the African community, the question arises, what do, we do in the terms of, what do we do in terms of thinking short-term? One of the things that comes to mind immediately is this whole question around voting. Voting is fine <clears throat> if we understand ultimately the real work has to take place in the community. Voting is fine if we understand that if we can identify those individuals who are really committed to the aspirations and interests of their people, then voting will be fine. But the reality is they given the, uh, the kind of um, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the lack of services that accompanies a voting that we also understand that people are motivated by their self-interest and not the interest of the group, that we understand that voting can never be a long-term solution to the problems that we face. So, so in other words, it's important that we as a people begin to think in terms of long-term, because when we're talking about a state of depression that we're currently in, one of the things is very, very clear, that the access to those things that we need, whether it be food, shelter, housing, and so forth, those things have become extremely more difficult to obtain. So we have to have that long-term planning. With the long-term planning, we have to have an organization in terms of implementing long-term strategies. So I encourage people to build an organization, organizations, think in terms of long-term, because this is important, because we're talking about history here. And so without those institutions to think long-term, then we confound uh, our opportunity or ability to actually do those kind of things we need to do to empower ourselves.
1: So that's one thing you raised, Brother, His- Brother uh, Ike, in terms of memories. Is a lesson of those who fail to learn that history, doing to repeat the same mistakes. So, excellent uh, opening presentation. Every now, we'll go to our brother Moses and welcome him to Africa on the move. Welcome, brother
4: Moses. Thank you, thank you, brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists and um, you, brother Africa, in particular. Uh, I, it's, my name is Robert Andrew Moses I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism From the moment I was introduced to Marxism During a government class back in my high school years 1968 I call Marxism the race to cure racism I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus Who is the author and finisher of my faith And that faith tongue is his messenger for government Fathers, help your children Thank you once again, Brother Afton For allowing me to be on the show All right, moving forward right along.
1: We'd like to let everyone know right now we're going to take a Revolutionary Station Culture Break. And when we come back, we're going to open up with our segment, What's Going On In Your World Community. And we invite you to call in at 323-679-0841 to share with us what's going on in your world and your community. So when we come back, we'll start off with Brother Anthony and followed by Brother Haki and Moses, and we hope to hear from you. So we're going to pause for this call for this rubber call culture break.
2: The off of what's going on in the world uh, today is the uh, 47th no no 67th anniversary. Take that back. 67th anniversary of uh, the, uh, the the attack on the Moncada barracks in uh, Santiago de Cuba. By a group of uh, revolutionary forces, a small group of revolutionary forces back in 19, July 26, 1963, which uh, sparked the present uh, armed phase of the Cuban Revolution. And uh, they were, uh, th- there have been various celebrations taking place over this weekend commemorating uh, that significant historical event, uh, particularly by friends of Cuba in various parts of the U.S. Uh, There was uh, was a demonstration in support of the Cuban Revolution held in in, in Union Square in New York earlier today, which was met by a counter demonstration of gusanos uh, at the same location and uh the crowd was uh was relatively light on both sides possibly due to the weather uh but uh but there've been various activities another uh is um uh, was organized by the uh Mass Emphasis Theater uh entitled Africa and the World Thanks Cuba uh, two day uh, uh, a two day concert program uh, that was uh virtual and uh and live streamed uh, this weekend and uh let's see uh close to my neck of the woods uh last week a uh, twelve year old African youth uh, was uh, handcuffed for playing with a toy gun. And uh, apparently, someone has uh, had uh, had had looked looked through the window of the house that he was living in, and thought it was and they thought it was uh, a, a full-grown African male with a gun, and called the police. And the police came to the house, uh, put the 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 uh, twelve-year-old youth in handcuffs and uh, searched the house for weaponry. Didn't find anything and eventually released the youth. But uh, it was a traumatic experience for the family to go through. And I mentioned this because this took place in a city where they disbanded the police, but now they have a metropolitan police that oversees police activity in Camden, New Jersey. So, uh, so abolishing the police isn't enough. It really is going to take a change in our, uh, you know, in the economic system of the society to bring genuine change. Mm.
1: That's an interesting phenomenon with the youth in Jersey. We'll come back and talk about this a little more. Next, let's go to Brother Hackey. Brother Hackey, what's going on in your world and the community?
5: Well, you
3: know, Brother Africa, you know, I got to tell you, when the media characterized the demonstrators as violent, I have to smile because there's no more violent place than America. And it's very, very interesting that they were selected in terms of understanding history. But in any event, it really got me to thinking, and so I want you to check this out. Now, Martin Luther King once referred to the U.S. as the greatest rebellion of violence in the world. Now, King words reflect a history in which savagery was not only validated, but seen as an indispensable component of U.S. foreign policy. Deton is a word often used to connote pursuit of peace, but the reality is even in the pursuit of peace, utilization of violence becomes an essential ingredient, a catalyst of sorts where devastation occurs. Recently, Iran, East recently, Iranian airspace and U.S. military jet came dangerously close to an Iranian commercial flight, resulting in numerous injuries. The notion that psychological operations like the buzzing of a commercial flight would encourage dialogue with Iran fails to take into consideration sex strategy tends to infuriate political leadership. This strategy only makes sense if we fail to grasp the true intended target, which happens to be the citizens of Iran. By convincing the Iranian citizenry, any military conflict will result in mass casualties of Iranians. It tends to empower those leaders in Iran who are more willing to acquiesce to impure demands, even if that means serving as a colony for the U.S. interest. Now, violence inflicted upon individuals, excuse me, upon indep- excuse me, independent states does not totally rely on military excursions. In the case of Cuba, uh, the economic blockade has existed since 1960. Initially, the blockade included all exports that, comm- that uh, con- excuse me, conceivably empowered Cuba's economy, except food and medicine. Currently, both food and medicines are blocked from Cuban entrance, with the focus being to debilitate or weaken socioeconomic institutions in hopes that the Cuban people rise up against their government. Ironically, the needless suffering facility by the U.S., in Cuba does not take into consideration the Cubans are quite aware of U.S. attempts to starve them into submission. Numerous states, including the Nigerian Commission, has expressed great revulsion at an embargo that has lasted over sixty years. Now the violent now the violence inflicted upon, <clears throat> upon Venezuela's unprecedented US back excuse me, assassinations are generally covert, but in the case of President Maduro, the US placed a bounty of 50 million dollars on his head this strategy was replicated back when U.S. placed a $5 million bounty on the head of a judge, Jose Moreno Perez, whose legal ruling found the corrupt National Assembly or the Congress could be disbanded in Venezuela. The justification for financing his death, he is corrupt, according to Secretary of State Pompeo. Allegations of corruption is coming from a U.S. administration, interestingly. Sounds like a case of called calling milk White. U.S. corporations permeate every se- Excuse me, US, U.S. corruption permeates every institution in the U.S South and north no relationships and because the current economic depression has to come clearer for all to see. The more pungent aspect of U.S. violence is the level of violence inflicted on its own people, starting with the deindustrialization policies of the late '70s. The pursuit of larger profits compelled businesses to relocate abroad. This was followed by a, virus, a dubious virus, a virus of dubious origin, AIDS. But really this virus affected primarily white people, according to the Center for Disease Control, only to overwhelmingly affect Africans in the late 80s. Scientists looking at the virus through electron microscope concluded the virus was manufactured in a laboratory. Currently, over 1 million people are infected with this virus. In the 1990s, 500,000 troops deployed to Saudi Arabia to protect the corrupt House of Saad, the so-called Desert Shield operation. Some troops deployed to Iraq, so-called desert storm operation to remove Saddam Hussein. These young people's lives were put in jeopardy because Saddam threatened to end the use of dollars in pursuit of currencies with a better year. Now if we couple it with the fact in terms of the casualties in terms of Afghanistan, where we talk about two thousand four hundred and seventy four people that thus far have been killed, where twenty thousand three hundred and twenty people have been wounded, then we understand this useful this, this 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 useless uh, uh of so people uh, for the sole purpose, in terms of furthering, you know, imperial objectives, is unconscionable. And particularly when we think about when we, when we think about why they are in the Middle East in the first place, to a large extent, they are there for two reasons. One, for national gas, in particular, they are there for the dissemination of heroin throughout the Western world. In the year 2000, the World Trade Center was detonated, but a Charlotte group, Al Qaeda, was was being responsible. The 2,977 people who lost their lives were part of a U.S. strategy to create the justification for a global war on terror. Under this plan, the world will become a, battle, a, a global battlefield where any state that opposes U.S. hegemony will be considered an enemy and subject to, to invasion by U.S. forces. Year 2020, class restrictions will sharpen and demarcation between the half have- and have nots no longer hitting. Economic benefits go to the wealthy and while others, the poor in particular, spend for themselves. The stock market is exposed for the corrupt machine that it is. And the economic growth is measured in terms of free money for wealthy people only. All at the expense of poor people's lives. If this is a violence, I don't know what is. So it seems to me that we have to recognize the systematic violence that is inflicted upon people the society. And recognizing the systematic violence that is inflicted upon us, that we have no other recourse but to stand up and fight back. We have to resist. Because the bottom line is that when we talk about economy that's essentially in depression, then we when we talk about the, the level of ruthlessness employed by those positions of power, we certainly can anticipate that ruthlessness would it would exacerbate, it would become much more harsh. So we have to take a stand in terms of understanding what it is we're up against, and in and, and organize ourselves and to prepare for being eligible in terms of the kind of uh violent violent um uh, acts that are coming our way.
1: Thank you, Brother Hakeem. We now will go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses. What's going on in your
4: world and the community? Well, brother Africa, um, tell you the truth, it's been has been so much chaos and and turmoil going on in the world that this week has seemed almost like it's it's natural, like it's normal or something uh, uh, in terms of you know the news and what's going on. Uh, um, everybody's fighting COVID, of course. Uh, But, you know, we started to take that for granted at this point uh, um, uh, in terms of the news. uh, And uh, Trump is being being his self. He's he's canceled the Republican convention. uh, uh, But let me just say that, you know, Mao Zedong taught that nothing reactionary falls of his own accord. It has to be toppled. But all reactionaries put up a last-ditch effort. All reactionaries put up a last-ditch effort. And I just I say, that this is going to apply to this situation eventually. Thank you. i just leave it right there. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brother Moses. Before we go on this uh, rough year break again, panelists, I would like y'all to respond a little bit, too, because I think it has a combination of all the things that you will have Articulated up to this point And that's the American Reaction To the protest That has been taking place Out in Portland What have y'all learned What have y'all observed What have y'all gained From the U.S. government response To the protests in Portland So would you Brother Anthony
2: Yes uh, Very seriously concerned Because Um uh, for, uh, in order to suppress uh, political opposition to U.S. policy, uh, the federal government has decided to deploy federal troops in unmarked vehicles to are snatching people off the streets. And that, is, and, and that is a very ominous sign because there's no due process involved uh you know uh people can be detained indefinitely, and uh Trump has uh threatened to expand this program to other cities inside the u s in particular uh what he considers you know uh you know hot areas like chicago uh let's say i think Baltimore and uh uh, uh uh you know and New york are on that list as well and uh that uh that means uh a, 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 a greater repression of um of of uh you know the masses of the people that live in these areas and uh this was set up by uh, legislation that was signed by the Obama administration back in 2012. Uh, uh, A lot of people have forgotten that. And again, that's a consequence of our historical memories being short. But uh, he signed the National Defense Authorization Act, which allows uh, not only the current president, but any future president to deploy federal forces uh to different uh to different parts of the u s uh basically gonna win with, uh whenever he feels like it and uh this is a very dangerous situation and uh speaks to the need that we need to be uh on on our guard and get better organized
1: Brother Aki, what have you taken to observe from the u s interaction? with
3: the protests out in Portland. I, I got to say, Brother Africa, this is unprecedented. You know, when you think about the, these these uh, these cops, uh, these, these military personnel, you know, uh, with their uniforms on, you know, with no badges, no names, or nothing, no way to identify who they are, actually sweeping up people off the street and just, you know, and just uh, assaulting them and doing whatever. When you think about that kind of thing, the thing that comes to mind is what they did in terms of the Middle East, Afghanistan, when they drove around in unlocked vehicles and they grabbed so- so-called potential terrorists who, in fact, were not terrorists at all, but, in fact, uh, uh, people who were turned in by someone who maybe had a grudge against them. But in any event, they use that as a, pre- a pretext in terms of actually, you know, uh, uh, you know snatching people off the street and actually throwing them into prisons, you know, throughout the world. Uh, these so-called black sites, in which they would ter- they would these people not only terrorize, uh, but they were also victims victims in terms of um, I mean uh, merciless kinds of uh, uh, trauma inflicted upon their bodies. So clearly, it, it, you know, when I think about this kind of secrecy and kind of flagrant violation of constitutional human rights, then I got to, it. It reminds me that we got to be very, very clear in terms of where we are in terms of history. You know, often we talk about the flow of history, but what we, we don't understand that when we talk about the flow of history certain things are predictable. And one of those things, and when we talk about the, the, the emergence of the police state, then we're very, very clear that when we look at those kind of procedures going on in terms of snatching people off the street, you know, without charges, you know, just arbitrary snatching people off the street, then it's indicative of the police state. And the mere fact that uh, the Orange Minister is talking about expanding this program to other states, speaks volumes in terms of Princeton in terms of this whole mindset, would say that in order to maintain control, we do so at, at all costs. And so, therefore, be, the constitution has no relevance anymore. Uh, human rights certainly has no relevance. And if that be the situation, the question is, what are the people going to do given the, the reality that we're confronted with? Now, one of the things historically that you know we've been we've been struggling with, we've trying to organize on this question in terms of, you know, human rights. And uh, unfortunately, we have this, this schism that exists in the community in which those who believe that uh, human rights doesn't objectively exist, that in fact, to those extent that you got rights, they're given to you by the state. And there are people who believe that, and that's ironic, for, particularly when we talk about people in the churches who, who think in terms of a deity. You think they'd be the first to get aboard in terms of human rights, but nonetheless, there are those individuals who come to the position that only the states can give you rights, and if they don't give you rights, then you don't have them. It's essentially, a conservative position, but it's a very, very scary, condi- uh, very, very, scary uh, a condition, um, a position to, to take. So it seems to me, you know, uh, that the writing's on the wall. Um, for those people who seriously doubt, uh, who, who think that everything is fine, for those who think, that, in fact, you know, unleashing the military on the populace is a very good thing in terms of restoring order, law and order, they need to think again. Because today is these people, tomorrow is you. And so we've got to be very, very concerned about that. So all this tends to underscore the nature of a police state you know, that currently exists in America. And if we don't organize, we don't understand what the issues are. I'm talking about some serious organization. And one thing is for clear, that this police state is, will only grow, it won't shrink. And that's the reality of the situation.
1: And, Brother Moses, your reaction to what's going on in Portland as relates to the U.S. government interaction with the people and the protests?
4: You know, like I said, these fascists, these fascists are going to put up a last-ditch effort, and this, this is pulling out all the stops. They're, they're un, un they're um, going for the juggler, so to speak. Um, the, the so-called democratic cities that are, have, riots going on, and law and order needs to be restored, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, anything. Anything that's mildly progressive is is reactionary. Uh, 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 issue becomes the reactionaries make a issue out of it and and attack it. Uh, anything that, that slightly shows any kind of intelligence, they they play on the backwardness of the people, and uh, and so you know I think they. These jump out squads—I think they do have numbers or something like that. It's the only way you, if you can catch up with them and get their number or something. But uh, this is this is this is deliberately done so that they empower them to do whatever they want to do without without impunity. But, you know, and that's you know this is deliberate and uh, and it must be seen for what it is. It's pure fascism. Thank you. You know, they always,
1: um, when it comes to people, they talk about where the people responsibility, your responsibility, things. But right now, it seems like corporate murder has a car blanche on everything goes, and there are no responsibility. So that seems like a reality to y'all today, in terms of what is taking place, in terms of when you talk about a fascist society where corporate, murder, where corporate, the corporate sector runs and dominates everything. Your general response
2: general response to the statement. Brother Anthony. I think that's true. Um I think uh I think it's uh sign it's due to the fact that uh even though uh it, uh even though um uh, Africans hold the majority of uh, leadership positions within the, uh uh within the Democratic Party, for example, they get no respect whatsoever. And uh, and uh, that was a, an observation uh, Brother Kwame Ture made years ago, and it's even true today. And uh, and the thing about it though, and uh, and and we're in a disorganized state. That's why uh, that that's why we're not respected, uh, uh, you know, by um, other uh, ethnic groups for that reason and uh and it's the corporations that uh that are dictating uh policy through these uh super pacs and uh their and their financial uh control of the duopoly that governs the u s yeah
1: well
3: the corporations have no responsibility to masses the people. This is important that we understand that. So we we need not be confused with this question in terms of democracy. Democracy never has existed in America. It's never designed to exist in in, in, in America. One so of the first things the preamble states in the Constitution is that this is a this is a republic. In other words, what they're saying is very, very clear. They're saying that the people who have the wealth, who have the status, who have the power, they rule, plain and simple. So for the masses of people who really think it's a democracy and that the corporations give a damn about their lives, apparently have not been paying attention to the kind of things that are going on, particularly when we talk about in terms of fundamental transfer of wealth from the poorest people in society to the wealthiest people in society, which speaks volumes in terms of the lack of uh, compassion for poor people uh, or people generally in society. But I think a more genuine question, I think, Brother Africa, and we respect in terms we talk about um, corporate culpability. One of the things is that when you think about in terms of the, the, the federal government's intrusion into the state's rights, it's really, it really, it really boggles the mind because we stop to think about it. Under the Tenth Amendment, we have a situation where states, by design, through the Constitution, is designed to make sure that that the federal government can arbitrarily impose its will on states. And that's a whole idea in terms of division of power that exists in the Constitution when it comes to state, you know, state powers versus you know the federal powers. So clearly, that clearly that um, the fact that they able to the federal government is able to impose their will on states speaks volumes in terms of the kind of power. Corporations have, because if corporations, those you know, states were adamant opposed to such kind of um violation of a, of states constitutional rights, then certainly they have the power and they certainly have the means in terms of preventing that from happening. But the mere fact they've been silent in terms of this kind of um, uh, kind of an incursion into, you know, states', states rights it speaks volumes in terms of just how much they're unconcerned in terms of the plight of, of their citizens, particularly uh, on, on the state level. So clearly, Brother Africa, no one should be, be surprised when we talk about the fact that, you know, um, corporations don't give a damn about the masses of people. Then we understand that's precisely what it's all about. And if we haven't figured that one out, I guess we'll never figure it out. So it's important that in, in understanding that corporations have no vested interest in the interests of masses of people. Then we understand, um, given, that, given that backdrop, then, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, uh, dealing with people who oversee, quote, unquote, as uh, unruly, Corporations are all in favor in terms of coming down with a heavy hand. And so, therefore, no one should be surprised that the kind of um, lack of compassion uh, exists among corporate America.
1: Brother Moses, we have you learned from the U.S. government reaction to the protests out
4: in Portland. Well, you know, this, Trump and his his lackeys, his bootlicking lackeys um are uh, uh, running around doing his deeds and um and it's obvious you know, only he could think of something as diabolical as this, uh and uh and I, it's just disgusting, it's disgusting. The sooner we get rid of him the better off we'll all be. That's that's the bottom line. And so, you know, we just have to, to uh, hope to, uh, between revolution and, and elections, the, which occurs first, becomes the issue. Anyway, later on. All
1: right, parents, what we're going to do? We're going to continue discussion to our listen audience. We'd like for you to weigh in on these topics and come and call in and share with us what's going on in your way in, in your community. We'll take this opportunity to culture break and we'll come back. We will continue this. And one of the things I'd like to raise my panelists, we're talking about all the issues that are going on. We want to also talk about it in the context of the overall system, what directs and allows these things to be. There's a really interesting article we'd like to talk about. Um, as part of what's going on in our world community, title capitalism is not exploitative. I want y'all also to get ready to think about that And when we come back We'll continue this discussion Y'all listen to Africa On the Moon with Brother Africa
0: Must prepare and learn how to care for soon be there while our lives won't be in danger and when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it. My journey, yeah. Yeah, 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 Made it through my journey. Made it through my journey. Hello Reno, a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador, Bahia, a scar Life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral hollow, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin, turned up to dance to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino is the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain. Everywhere we go When the light is clear Oh, how beautiful I will be To know that I've been here And made it through my journey, yeah. And made it through my journey, yeah Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
5: For more than thirty years, the Piscataway Indian Nation singers and dancers have been touring the world in an attempt to break stereotypes and educate others about the history of their people. Their leader and narrator, Mark Tyack, is the son of a 28th generation Piscataway chieftain. When his father passes, it would be his turn to lead his tribe. During a ceremonial war dance, James Edwards displays the American Indian virtue of mercy by not striking his target. Steve Conway demonstrated what is called a men's grass dance. These were often used by American Indians to flatten grassy plains before making camp. Here Eagle Boy Co. leads sophomore elementary education and engineering major Melissa Zichkowski in a rabbit dance, traditionally done by couples. Conley took the stage yet again to demonstrate a ring dance, an age-old tradition of forming shapes with rings, things like eagles, turtles, and the world. Coe performed an eagle dance, while Tayek explained the origin of the term Indian as it is used to describe Native Americans. The term came from Columbus, who, after being taken in by natives, affectionately dubbed them Indios, Spanish for In God.
1: with our panelists. We don't you know what's going on in your community and the world. When we left, we said based upon some of the issues that, issues that have been articulated so far has something in common with this overall issue of the atmosphere of functioning under a capitalist system. That was the interest of article that was written back on May 15, 2016, the author is Rahum, Raheem Rocky Williams' title, Capitalism is Not exploitive. Exploitative. Capitalism is Not Exploitative. If you get a chance, we encourage you to check out the article, read it, and try to understand it. And understand the philosophy and its impact that is having on today's world. So, panelists, in the context of the various things we have discussed so far this morning, this evening, I would like to just get your thought on this article. With the foundation, let's just talk about the capitalist system in, in general. One make it such an evil system, one who's, who is conscious see capitalism as an exploitative system. But in this article, um, people and this author, position Raheem Rocky williams he has taken the position of capitalism is not exploitative. Let response to the nature of just the question itself. as you critique capitalism, brother Haki? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, brother Africa. Uh, you know, listen, I don't know what to start because this this piece is such. Um, I, I don't want to insult the young brother, but uh, it's uh, it's not well thought out. But in any event, uh, when we talk about exploitation, one of the things we talk about capitalism, you know. Um, one of the things we, we we have to understand when we when you talk about markets, essentially what you're talking about is you talk of someone's conception and someone's objective conception in terms of, you know how things are, Uh what 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 people are willing to buy, what people are willing to uh, uh, spend their money on. So it's a it's a subjective it's a subjective view; it doesn't objectively exist. And so to create a market uh, doesn't mean that you're taking consideration and filling with the individual you're trying to sell to. Uh, so it means that, uh, you know, um, if you can, by virtue of using, let's say, um, propaganda or uh, what's what some people refer to as um, uh, advertising, if you can use it to convince people they need something, uh, it puts you in the driver's seat. In other words, if you convince people they need something, even though they may not need it, if you convince them they need it, then you can certainly create a and so you can sell them at whatever price you, you deem uh, profitable. And so, therefore, in, in terms of uh, setting that price, the compassion or the concern for the people who potentially are going to purchase is not a concern of yours. So, you, so certainly, exploitation is, is an intimate part in terms of capitalism. One of the things that economists talk about when they talk about exploitation, they talk about, you know, supply-demand curves, And they talk about a point in which, you know, demand far exceeds uh, – we where, where actually talk about where um, – uh, well, actually, so when the demand is far exceeds supply, then you talk about a potential a situation we have exploitation. But of course, that's all theoretical. But the bottom line is, just in terms of practical terms, you know, when we talk about creating markets, essentially what we're talking about is exploitation or the ability to use people for the purpose of material gain, or in this case, making money. So this notion that it's not exploitative is just crazy. Even if you look at even if you look at the state of the world as it currently exists. When you're look at in terms of why some schools uh why some schools are financed to the heels and other schools are not financed at all uh why is that well it it's come down to a function in terms of of capitalism so in other words some some people or some groups are perceived as um as as favorable where others are not some are perceived as productive where others are perceived as unproductive. Well, those individuals who are perceived as productive, of course, get the short end of the stick, And so the level of exploitation for those people who are perceived as unproductive grows exponentially. So, and the problem is you have a problem with it because it can be justified in economic terms by simply saying that, well, these people, because they are not productive, because they not, uh, uh, because they haven't worked as hard as other people, then so therefore we can justify their exploitation. And that's part and parcel of capitalism. That's precisely what it does. But I think one of the things that I thought was funny about this article, about Africa, and I'm sort of getting off the point, but I, I just wanted to bring this up because it's important. One of the things you talk about the uh, capitalism is the ownership of production, which means private people or private citizens make things to sell to each other the stuff that they already owned. That that was that was so ironic. I mean, one of the things that you think about the terms of let's let's for instance, let's talk about commodities. You talk about the fact that for instance you talk about oil. No human being produces oil. Uh, let's talk about uh, diamonds. No human being produces diamonds. Uh, let's talk about cobalt. No human being produces cobalt. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the bauxite. No human being produces bauxite. This stuff goes. In, this stuff is, 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 is part, these elements are part of the earth. So therefore, no human being played any part whatsoever in terms of creating these 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 these, these, uh, these minerals or these. So for someone to come along and say that these minerals belong to a particular sector of society, to me, is, I, find, I find absurd, that they own that. What gives you the right to own something that you didn't produce? None of these resources these natural resources you produce. These are things that belong to human human beings, not to a particular strata, because they're part of Earth, which means they belong to all human beings, not to a particular strata of human beings. So this notion that they got a fundamental right to own those things which belong to all of us, I think fundamentally, I have a real philosophical problem with that. To me, it makes no sense at all. But strangely, in the context of a capitalist world, it makes sense to take those things that exist in the earth and make it, and you own them. Conversely, when you talk about a situation where you have wealthy people talking about buying an island, who gives you the right to buy an island? Who 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 gives you that right to do that? Only capitalism is crazy enough to say that you know because you have money that you have a right to own the resources that belong to the entire, that belong to humanity. That you have a right to fundamentally own those 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 resources. So me so me so you know this so the things that he was talking about you know I mean I understand he's just trying to provoke perhaps- perhaps he's just trying to provoke, but he didn't do a very good job in terms of defending capitalism. So if if this position is that you know that capitalism is not exploitative, then I all I would say to him is listen, all you do is look around, look at the, the disparity between the have and the have nots, look at these slums, look at these suburbs, uh, look at the. Uh, look at the um, terms of the the, the the results in terms of um, in terms of medical care. Why do you think such things exist? They only exist to the extent that exploitation exists. If exploitation didn't exist, then you would have this you would have this the, the diversity oh not or the, the, the excuse me you would have this um, this 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 schism this, this, this of or this, this differences between you know uh, you know something being affirmative versus something being not affirmative. Those such a thing wouldn't exist. Everything will be affirmative, everything will be positive. So the mere fact that you have uh the duopoly of you know the positive and negative, uh speaks violence in terms of the nature of exploitation, particularly when you talk about capitalism.
1: We're now going to brother Anthony. Your take on the essence of capitalism is not exploitative, Brother Anthony.
2: Um I, uh, I believe the uh, the brother's arguments are very faulty. There was only one sentence in this article uh, uh, in this article that I agree with, and that is capitalism is an economic system that consists of the private ownership of the means of production. True. Now, uh, uh, what, what what he is silent on. Is how, in the, how an individual manages to acquire this ownership, and an analysis of history shows that that's usually by force, especially military force, and uh, that's how you're able to force people to, uh, you know, to sell their labor to the highest bidder and um he's silent uh he's silent on that and um uh let's see um and uh his argument about consumerism is faulty too capitalism does force people to buy things and uh and um uh, and uh you, and, and the thing about the question of wants and needs is highly subjective, especially the wants. That is uh the the question of wants is uh you know is uh you know it's a propaganda issue as uh, haki correctly pointed out. And um you know and uh, so uh so I think uh you know uh uh people might swallow this if they don't understand the history of how capitalist societies developed and um you know, and his argument that socialism uh uh you know it, it, you know isn't a viable alternative is also uh, uh, uh very weak uh very weak. The poor are not better off in a capitalist society and uh one example comes to mind is uh Cuba, the tie into what we had discussed earlier. And why the Cubans uh, you, the, the overwhelming majority of Cuban people enthusiastically support their revolution, because for all the hardships they face, uh you know there, uh, the, the conditions would be e- even harder if it had, ma- had remained under
3: neocolonialist domination. You know one of the thing one of the things about Africa is that when he talks about uh, you know consumerism is a good thing that when he talks about the fact that capitalism uh promoting materialism is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, what he doesn't philosophically understand is that by m- promoting materialism uh, you you create you put in you put into motion a a value system in which exploitation is assured. So in order for me to get to get that big house, get that big car, if that means the exploitation of my fellow human beings. And I do that, but here's the problem: And me doing that, then ultimately what I do, I create enemies. And so therefore, people are not envious of my success. People actually, uh, uh, people actually have a hard time because they realize the kind of things I do in terms of enjoying that you know, material the material benefits. And so in that context, capitalism constantly keeps people at odds. So it's a situation where you're constantly uh, 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 facilitating a situation where people are constantly butting heads. And so to the extent that peace can exist in the context of capitalism, it, it simply, it simply is simply is unrealistic. In fact, so we have to understand that's a direct result of consumerism in society. It's not to say that you don't need certain things to exist. I mean, certainly one of the things we talk about in terms of you need food, you got to consume food. There's no question about that. You have to consume that. That, that, is, that is a must. Clothes you have to have. Those things that you have to consume. Shoes you have to consume. There's no question about that. Uh, but to the extent that there are things that exist that you compare to to, to, to have in capitalist society, which you don't necessarily need, uh, it's a it's a legitimate concern. So for instance, so if I'm living in a situation where you know uh, you know where uh, I got a I got a a a a, a, a small house, right? And so in a small house, you know, let's say you've got a situation where currently you got going, you got this, this whole call COVID-19 going on. And, and so, therefore, um, spacing becomes extremely important. Well, for me, in terms of a small house, if, if I have the, the means in terms of doing it, then the only op- op- option for me is to leave that small house into a bigger house. Now, and getting a bigger house of course I'm, I'm actually creating more problems for me. on one hand, sure, I'm doing things to create the, the, the availability of space among family members. but the same token, I'm creating a hardship on myself because with that bigger house come bigger responsibility, particularly materially. and so therefore I'm doing what I think society wants me to do because because it's the best interest of my family, but the same token what I'm doing is is detrimental you know to me and my family in the long run. But am I wrong to do that? Because society tells me that okay, you you need this in terms of spaces for your family, in terms of remaining healthy. It's a philosophical question, and so I think capital, capitalism does a very good job in terms of facilitating consumerism to the, to the detriment of the overall well-being of society. And we can't we can't dismiss that. Uh, and the question in terms of the question in terms of socialism, brother Africa, you know, uh, I can't recall specifically what he said about 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 uh, uh, socialism. You know, but uh, one of the things that I find very, very interesting is, you know, that when you say that prof- prof- profits are not exploitive, profits are not exploitive. <laughs> so again, if we're talking about create markets, essentially what we're talking about, we're talking about the proliferation of all uh, of access to profits. That's all we're talking about. So profits is whatever you can get away with. There is no standard in terms of profits. As a matter of fact, most economists will tell you there's no such thing as uh, exploitation when it comes to profits. If you, if you are naive enough to buy that car, you know, for uh, twice the value, then you know what? I'll sell it to you for twice the value. But the problem comes in that not only would they sell a car in terms of price the value, but uh, they, would, they, would, they would create a situation in which uh, it's almost virtually impossible to get it at the, at the, at the, at the standard value, at what is the actual value it has. So nobody goes into a car dealership getting for what the actual value it has in terms of market price. Uh, it just doesn't exist. Uh, the system is designed to make sure that at the minimum that you're going to be exploited, that you're going to pay more than the vehicle is worth. That's just the case. That's just a in fact. So this notion that uh, profits are not ex- ex- exploitive, I mean, it's just. I, I, I think the guy was just trying to uh, trying to provoke. I think he, I think his, his motivation was just to say some things. You know, say some things that they just get people uh, just to provoke folks in terms of their thoughts. So none of it just seems to make any sense. But I'll close with that.
1: Brother Moses, you'll check. Well, you had on this issue of capitalism. is not exploitative. I thank you, ma'am. I lost Brother Moses for a second. When you come back, we'll come back to Brother Moses. But in terms of this whole article, I think he gives a false narrative. Even with the question when you talk about reform versus change, he argues that there is no indenture service, servitude, and there is no slavery. You're at the core of capitalism. But that's exactly what capitalism does. It enslaves the majority of the people It made the people, the workers, into slaves. They're just not conscious of it. Because if you can control the major aspects of the material things that you need to live, and others are dependent upon it, then what is that relationship when you talk about boss to worker, owner to owner, to worker? When you're talking about billionaires versus someone who don't have one dollar in a bank account?
4: What is that relationship, if not a slavery relationship, panelists? Exactly, brother. Exactly, exactly. It is a slave, it's, it's wage slavery, though. And that's, that was the uniqueness of capitalism. It, it, it kept wheeling down um, from uh, historically, as we've, we've been dealt with the slave system, uh, um, we're down to where it's hourly wages and uh, it's wage labor, it's wage slave system. And so we're at the disposal of the capitalists during the working hours, and then we're free to do whatever we want to, to starve to death, or or what, get, be homeless, whatever. After, in between hours, and so this this system, uh, you know, we have to remember that socialized production and private appropriation. It's not just private property per se, but it's socialized production and private appropriation. The fact that it's taking all of us working together to produce these products, and then only a handful of people are, are be able to appropriate the benefits of, of the labor. And so that's the real problem of capitalism. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's you know because when you start talking about private property, it just it gets so expansive, and um, and it's hard to get a handle on exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so you know these corporations, McDonald's, or these big socialized, highly socialized corporations. Um, you know the mm-hmm. workers, if the workers were self-managed um, and the government was socialist government, we would have free education, we'd have free health, free healthcare, and and we would be uh, much better off intellectually in terms of um, intelligence and. Um, and the pervasiveness of, of intelligence throughout society, um, it would be a whole different ballgame. Uh, and um, but the future is bright. Thank you.
3: Yeah, it's okay. it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that when you think about the, the the evolution of capitalism. One thing is very very clear: that prior to um, capitalism being codified into law, that there was very aspect in terms of exploitation that exists, you know, among human beings, and it certainly existed. Well, capitalism was to codify that and make that um, part of law, a particular English common law in particular. So what happens is you have a situation in which uh, laws recognize the benefits in terms of using other human beings. They recognize the benefits in terms of exploiting human beings. And so all the laws will give to a toward that. And then on superimposed upon that you have a situation where you have the clergy justifying the exploitation of a human being saying that this is the way the creator wants it. The creator wants you to be used, that the, that the people who are the explorers should be uh, respected and uh, loved simply because they're doing God's will. And so, therefore, this notion that somehow that capitalism is not responsible in terms of the ills that society faces, I think it's, it's, like it's just fundamentally flawed. I think that's very, very clear, and, and, and there's so many uh, examples that abound, but uh, it's, I think it's very, very clear for all to see. You know, when we talk about capitalism, we talk about the problems that are confronting society as it exists currently. Then we got to we got to conclude uh, that capitalism plays a big part in terms of the disparities that exist that, that we see uh, that permeates the society. Uh, one of the things when you start thinking about brother African context of uh, capitalism, when we start thinking about how is it that is a a how is it that um, um, the, the the Federal Reserve, along with the Treasury Department, get together. Um, you know, uh, the Federal Reserve can purchase bonds. Well, not purchase, but borrow bonds from the Treasury Department. Use those bonds, convert them into dollars, and then give those dollars to wealthy people and corporations. The question is that if, if in fact, you know, um, if, if in fact, if it was a social system, that simply would that would be that would certainly be uh, perceived as, as 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 very inappropriate. But in the context of capitalism, is, it perceived as very, very appropriate. In other words, those individuals who are the most productive, those individuals who stand to not only benefit from this free money, but stand to uh, uh, make society make make society much more uh, profitable. Of course, you give the money to them because that's the assumption. Now, the question is, when you start talking about what is profitability, it doesn't mean it means prop you know, property. I mean, uh, 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 com, uh, increase. Uh, increase access to wealth for the overwhelming number of people in society. It doesn't mean that the poor, the working people, doesn't mean that they're privy to that money. It means the probability means that if you give it to those, those people at the top who are already wealthy in the first place, they didn't know what to do to extend that wealth. And so on paper, it gives the perception, it gives the illusion that, in fact, that the society, that economy is growing, when in reality, the economy is contracting but again, it can only be justified in the context of capitalism because without capitalism, there's no justification for that. Because the fundamental disparities that it creates, the fundamental injustice that it perpetuates, will be rejected by socialist um, dogma. So clearly, you know, this notion that uh, 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 socialism has a retention terms of saving the day and somehow that is not exploitive, I think it's, it's something that only exists in the mind of people who, for whatever reason, uh, um, feel like they want to be part of the society.
1: Well, panelists, since you're listening to one of these, think one significant point of this article, why it's important for us to be aware of what is being written and how people are thinking, is that this kind of writing will be in um, continuations of these so-called history and economic books that our youth will be forced to read and internalize. That's why it's very important to understand what's out there, who writes what, and what goes into what. So, what we're going to do right now, panelists, job well done. What we're going to do right now, we're going to do our transition today to deal with our theme today, part two the killing field. Why us? And when we talk about the killing field, we, hey,
5: the reality is
1: this society, this country is a killing field. It's killing people, it's killing different aspects of nature is killing in all kinds of forms. It has all been central and coming out of this area they call the United States of America. So when we talk about killing for you this is one of them. It's not the only one. The question is not only to come, why us, but why us and others? So what we're going to do is we're going to discuss some articles we thought of for interest. Um, when we come back, we take a quick station break. And when we come back, we're going up with the article, The Racism of Reopening the U.S. Too Soon. That's right, we said it. The Racism of Reopening the U.S. Too Soon. Communities of color stand in the most by this premature posture. We'll be right back on Africa on the move. And we are not going to accept scrub
4: we all agree tonight all of the speakers have agreed that America has a very serious problem not only does america have a very serious
0: problem but our people have a very serious problem America's problem is stop, stop, stop. It's one of two suckers, ignorant brothers Trying to rob and steal from one another You get caught in the midst so to crush that stereotype, here's what we did We got ourselves together So that you could unite and fight for what's right Not negative cause The way we live is positive We don't kill our relatives Pop, 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 when it's shot, who's to blame? Headline, front page, and rap, the name MC Delight, here to state the bottom line The black on black line was way before the time Triple Brothers, life with a knife, that's right Cry, cause he died on trifling death when he left I slept, so watch your step Back in the 60s, our brothers and sisters Were hanged, how could you gangbang I never ever ran from the Ku Klux Klan And I shouldn't have to run from a black man Cause that Behind bars in the worst way Far from your family Cause you're locked away Now tell me Do you really think crime pays You know, taking what your brother has You little sucker You talking all that jazz It's time to stand together in a unity Cause if not then you're with Soon to be self destroyed Unemployed C-Rap will be lost without a trace Or a clue but what to do Is stop the violence and kick the science Down the road that we call eternity Where knowledge is formed And you learn to be Independent To teach the each is what rap intended But society wants to invade So do not walk this path that they laid in It doesn't make you a big man and to one and going this your brother man and you don't know that's part of the plan Why? Cause rap music is in full demand, understand? My name is i Ice man, not a prankster. I was known as the gangster, but believe me that is no fun. The time is now to unite everyone. You don't have to be soft to be for peace. Robbing and killing and murdering is the least. You don't have to be chained by the beast, but the people, it's time I release. Hey yo, here's the situation: idiocy, nonsense, violence, not a good policy. Therefore, we must ignore, fighting, and fussing. Heaven's at the door so there'll be no bum rushing Let's get together because we're falling apart I heard a brother shot another, it broke my heart I don't understand the difficulty, people Love your brother, treat him as an equal They call us animals, Mm-mm, I don't agree with them I'll prove them wrong, but the right is what you're proving them Take keys before I leave for what I'm saying Or we'll all be on our knees right. so heavy, deep, deep the
2: heart of the matter The self-destruction is served on a platter Making a day Not failing to anticipate They got greedy so they fell for the bait That makes them a victim Picked and plucked New Jack in jail But there's the vest they're a duck There's no one to rock Cause in jail you're a number They never took the time to wonder about self-destruction. Yeah, destruction
0: Wanna see Nelson and Winnie free? You don't know.
1: it
2: does and uh, and the thing and covid nineteen is uh disproportionately uh, affecting uh African latinx and the indigenous people of the western hemisphere uh because of uh this not only in addition to as the article points out health disparities access to health care insurance and also the fact that uh that people in these groups are 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 not able to work from home, or to take time off from work if they uh, you, uh, you know if they feel their health is at risk, and uh, and the people that are clamoring for reopening are primarily uh you know those sectors. That are losing money behind uh, this pandemic, which, re- which is really uh, the economic depression that we discussed earlier. But uh, the U.S. media won't admit that the U.S. is in a depression, and uh, the U- and I think COVID-19 is being used as a cover, uh, uh, you know, to mask certain political agendas. Such as population control, which means eliminating us primarily, because they want access to our land and resources, uh, which they can't completely control as long as we exist. So I think, and I, I, so I think, one aspect of this problem is that the eugenicist forces. Are trying to get rid of us, uh, spearheaded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and also, um, you know, just that uh, you, you know because the uh, corporations' abilities to outsource labor, uh, they don't they they don't need they don't have a need for cheap labor supply within U.S. borders. For the moment, uh, and that is until uh, you know people around the world Start getting wise, you know, to imperialism's game and put and putting up a more effective resistance to it. But uh, but uh, you know but uh, you know the the brunt the 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 way things are 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 spreading. Uh, it is the African and the uh, and the indigenous population that's bearing the brunt of the uh, of the uh, of the effects of, of this illness, and uh, and the effects of reopening too soon, and uh, and not and let's not forget also those who are incarcerated and uh you know there is uh is spreading a lot wildfire in the in the prisons where it's not possible to practice uh social distancing or other uh you know health care precautions
1: so, Haki, the racism uh opening the u s too soon. Where are you at on this issue?
3: You know, one thing, one thing about the Africa. You know, when the media started reporting that Africans and African and other people of color being disproportionately impacted by COVID nineteen, I said to myself, "Oh well, it's all over now. They're going to reopen everything now. Now that the word is out that it disproportionately impacts African and other people of color, given the raci- racism that exists in American society, then is 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 not too difficult in terms of." Uh, uh, Estimating that uh, the, the, the 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 popular demand of, to to open up these uh, to open up so-called open up society uh, will be forthcoming, so I'm not surprised at all. So of course racism plays a part in it, and one of the things in terms of the motives in terms of you know uh, COVID-19 and reopening uh, you know so-called reopening, uh, one of the things is that you you got to acknowledge that you know in reopening the potential is that and the show that's happening right now is that you actually, uh, the, the, the rate of infections after proliferate actually increases the amount of people impacted by COVID-19. So in the long term, you can reason that by opening an economy too soon, then certainly what's going to happen is that you undermine any 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 growth uh, because you're going to have to spend that money in terms of people who catch um, uh, the so-called COVID-19. But here's the catch by the African. Uh, one of the things is that, you know, in the, in the background, while we're, you know, you know, overly concerned. We're not, well, we're certainly we're justified in being concerned about COVID-19. But one of the things that we had to keep in mind is that the same token on the Orange Men is, is cutting money for testing. So his motives are dubious to say the least. So I'm thinking that, you know, given the fact that you, you got this, 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 this virus that's sweeping the nation and you're cutting funding for testing, if you extrapolate, I would assume that what he's doing is that he actually wants to encourage people to catch the virus. I could, be, I could be a bit disingenuous in terms of my beliefs, but I firmly believe that, you know, one plus one equals two, and that, in fact, that is a strong motivation. And, of course, one of the things that the Orange Menace and his, his, his cabinet have been putting forth was that the reason why the society is opening back up, because of the, the economics of it all, that we can no longer, you know, uh, keep, have a society closed if we are to, if we are to, to grow. Well, you know, the irony is that, you know, when you when you have these um, these um accounting um, um, scams going on with the Federal Reserve and the Treasury uh, creating, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars for the sole purpose of giving to rich people, then the question of growth really shouldn't be a question at all. Because after all, uh, growth is not a situation where people after have, have jobs, people actually produce things. That's not how growth is measured in the context of you know current capitalism. Uh, growth is only measured in terms of what the rich say uh, is growth. In other words, as long as the wealthy have access to investment and they can make money, then it's reflected as growth. And so as far as the capital is concerned, society is better off because a few people have benefited from so-called growth, even though this growth doesn't impact the, the masses of people in American society. So there's a notion that, in fact, it opened up in terms of for economic reasons It seems to me disingenuous uh, because the whole thing is that if you really – you know, if if you really was concerned about, about, you know, about growth and dealing with this whole-called virus, there are many things they could do in terms of facilitating both. Number one, they, of course, they can utilize universal basic income. I mean, like I alluded to earlier, give everybody $2,000 a month, you know. That certainly would do go forward in terms of the economy. That would certainly create uh, opportunities for businesses to sell things. Uh, so it makes sense at all. You could also implement a wealth tax. You've got close to, uh, you've got like a whole, close to 150 15 trillion dollars, you know, on offshore accounts, which you can tap into, uh, in terms of not only facilitating uh, people who need uh, care in terms of COVID-19, but also just in terms of facilitating business, uh, business activity. Also, you can implement a business transaction tax, brother Africa. You know what I mean? Uh, when you think about terms this, high, you know, this this this, this um, um high speed of trade trades that take place in terms of algorithms. We're computers to make trades. I mean, you're making you know up, uh, hundreds of thousands of trades in a matter of minutes. Well, if you tax each trade, imagine the kind of resource that you can gain in terms of taxing those kind of business transactions. So there are many avenues in which you can you can utilize in terms of you know not only providing uh, you know for people who need COVID testing, but the same token uh, to ensure that as they would say, growth continues without actually opening up the economy. So clearly, Brother Africa, I think race does play a big part in terms of the motivation in terms of doing this. And, uh, you know, one of the things also I think, and I'm going to this, I think one of the things, because it's so key in terms of pitting people against one another, if you can keep the perception going that, in fact, that the potential for death is right around the corner. In other words, if the notion that everybody around you has potential to kill you with COVID-19, then you create some division among people. That certainly serves into the interest in terms of the ruling class because allowing you to facilitate, you know, form that kind of division among people, that is a good thing. So, it is the interest of the ruling class to make sure that this notion of this this, this so-called fear around COVID-19 continues. So, I, so I think to 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 reiterate, brother, after you are absolutely correct, I think race is is a factor in terms of you know this reopening this economy too soon. Brother Moses,
1: does racism? a factor of
4: making the call to reopen the U.S. too soon? Well, I think, you know, it's obvious that the question becomes, whose report do you believe? Um, I think, you know, I've been trying to keep up with Dr. Fossey and and what he has in mind since he's one of the experts in the field in terms of this enemy, the virus. And it is the enemy, and we have to take the enemy seriously. And that's a failure in terms of leadership in this country to take it seriously. But anyway, um, we, we, as people of color, are definitely being disproportionately uh, affected by the, the virus. That's well documented. There's it's no question about it. With uh, the schools open early, uh, 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 you know, the students, the question is, you know, students carrying the virus, basically, uh, and that's, you know, a problem. Uh, the social social spacing and all that comes in terms of classrooms. And so it's, it's you know, the experts are debating it, and, and uh, the CDC is coming up with his recommendations, and everybody's uh, got an opinion, and I just think, I think, you know, we we have to be very, very cautious. Uh, there's no hurry. There's better safe than sorry. That's I, I, I see it. Uh, we should basically stay, hold back, uh, and uh, try to do this, this uh, virtual classroom thing as much as possible uh, uh, until we can get some kind of handle on the situation. Uh, everybody needs to be wearing masks. It's a very serious problem. And definitely, you know, people of color are are, are are on the front lines. Thank you. You know, panelists,
1: I personally is having some problems, and maybe you all can give me some clarification on the logic of my thinking. I'm looking at history where these same forces who are in control today they have done all kind of mischievous, devilish, devilish things against humanity, against people. They have a history of not telling the truth. They have a history of being deceptive. They have a history of declared history that they have no use for African people, indigenous people, or people who are just outright don't have the material means that they have. I have a hard time trusting anything and everything they say. When we're talking about those who's at the table making decisions that would affect those who who survive as the the most, we're talking about us. Why should we believe and trust these sources? Something is wrong with this picture. Something is wrong with the picture when they start out and make the statement that they believe Tanzania, South Africa, should be the first group of people to be tested on a mass scale. From my understanding, they have already started this testing and they have projected that at least they need to test 70 to 80 percent of this population. What happens when you test these populations and you find out they were not really tested to deal with the virus? But to make you, make your immune system more weak, will cause more harm to you. Isn't that too big of a price to pay right now? And not being a little more cautious, as Brother Moses said. For the school children who go on and they want to go to school now, knowing they don't have the space to distant, knowing they really don't know how this virus really uh, working. Why is it? Why is it? Our children gonna be the counterfathers. They have no love for African children. Matter of fact, they see our children as competitors to theirs. So what's up with this trust and believing whatever they say? How do we deal with and find out the truth, families? I I just need some more clarity on this one because this doesn't add up. To uh, I don't trust anything he's saying. you, you yes, you're ahead.
2: right to be skeptical, uh, brother Africa uh you know uh the forces that are pushing uh uh you know vac- mass vaccinations hardest have are the ser- very same forces that are trying to depopulate africa and uh and that should raise an alarm to me and um the way uh you know uh you know to counter that is through further research, study, and sharing information. I think I, I observed earlier that our historical mem- memories tend to be very short, and uh, we set our youth up for danger because of that. So I think we should. Uh, I, I think we should be, be very circumspect. In terms of what information we get, uh, uh, you you know, we get from uh, these big corporations, because uh, on the one hand, uh, you've got these pharmaceutical companies that stand to make a great deal of money if this vaccine is uh, if this vaccination is developed and uh and another uh angle to this also is uh you know the uh you, you know forcing it on, on people for the sake of normalcy. but uh one one concern i have about covid-19 the us's approach to it there is very little discussion about how to prevent other than uh, 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 other than wearing wearing face masks there's very little talk about uh you know things that could strengthen the immune system uh make it uh you, you know make it more resilient and uh, but uh you know but capital societies have never put a uh put an emphasis on prevention anyway uh because that would uh that would undercut the profits of the pharmaceutical corporations. So we have that angle also. So you're correct, brother Africa, to be a little leery about um, uh, 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 about the tests that are being done in different parts of the uh, African diaspora.
3: Yeah, oh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I I agree, brother Africa. Uh, I don't think uh, your 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 position is a uh, is a um, an intelligent position. I think it's a very intelligent position to take. We have to be skeptical. that'd be very skeptical. You know, one of the things, you know, you know, we, we, we've been clear with this diet of, you know, is uh, China's fault. Come to find out, French scientists say that, no, the virus did not originate in China. Then we have the EU scientists telling um, the Russians and Russian scientists saying that uh, the, 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 it didn't originate, it didn't come from China. So clearly, um the origin of this COVID nineteen is suspect. But one of the things, you know, I often think about Brother Africa, when I think about the, 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 the creation of AIDS and I look at um, uh, you know, uh, people and um uh, <clears throat> um um when I look at uh, people like a uh, South African cardiologist, uh, Walter Bassoon and um uh, and, and you look in terms of the role he played in terms of facilitating, you know, uh, Marlboro uh uh you know virus and Ebola and all of that stuff. So, just principally in terms of creating viruses for the sole purpose of destroying people, has a pretty long history in terms of in terms of the uh, Western world. And so, you so you therefore you can't take anything very very, very seriously when they say that. You have to take it with a grain of salt. And in addition to that, brother, Africa, one of the things that I find extremely ironic, you know, we're continually told that we need to wear masks. Um, you know, um, you know, um. One of the one of the things that that no one talks about, with the exception of uh, medical journals, is that this virus, this COVID nineteen, can be also transmitted you know, through, through uh your eyes or your ears. So you can be infected not just through your know, sinuses, but also through your ears, ears and your ears and your in your eyes. But no one is talking about this. I wonder why why that's not common knowledge. Why people don't don't know that. So perhaps, perhaps it has something to do in terms of if you if you convey that kind of information, um, uh, mask sales will go down. And so certainly, of course, we know America is all about the business, and and, uh, so nothing else matters. So certainly those who have a a business interest in terms of making sure the information doesn't get out there uh, do so simply because they recognize that if people don't know that, uh, then they continue to buy these masks, and they can continue to wear these masks. And so that means great profitability for some people. But clearly, you know, there's something about this virus that, that to me, doesn't does, doesn't make any any sense whatsoever. And, and one of the things that you know, when we talk about the origin of AIDS in terms of the science, looking at the virus under electron microscope, they did not t- definitively prove that um, you know it wasn't this this wasn't a mutation. This was something that was man-made. They looked at the 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 the, 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 the parameters of the cell walls. And they look in terms of the structure. They look and say, well, say, hey, this is not nature. This is manufactured. This is this is just too perfect. Well, I'm 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 hard pressed to understand why you know that some, some scientists took the COVID-19 uh, virus, put it on an electron microscope, and dissect and look at it and see what it is. We certainly can solve the question in terms of whether or not it's a mutation, or if in fact it's something that was created by human beings. I'm inclined to believe that COVID-19 is a, is a human in- invention. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that because of the human invention that uh, you don't take uh, some type of uh, steps in terms of at least to the best of your knowledge to try to minimize the, uh, the possibility of getting infected by COVID-19. But I think that if we understood precisely where this virus comes from definitively, uh, then I think uh, we, we it, 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 it uh, imposes upon us an obligation to, to take a stand and to fight and destroy the system once and for all. Because as long as the system exists, there's plenty of imperative, uh, plenty of need in terms of ensuring that this kind of uh, savagery, this kind of inhu- inhumanity, continues to exist. Because long as profits at, 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 at the basis of all of these decisions that are being made by people in of power, as long as they can profit off of their uh, shenanigans, then they are continue to do that. And so, if we knew that definitively that this was in fact was something that was created in a, in a laboratory. And at that point, you know, that we have to fight that much harder to make sure we destroy the system, because if we don't destroy the system, then one thing is clear, then the system will seek to destroy us. So clearly I think you, are absolutely correct, Brother Africa. Uh, you know, we shall be very suspicious in terms of this COVID-19 and not to take for granted simply because the media tells us it's so.
1: you respond, Brother Moses? And while we wait for Brother Moses' response... I would like to just add to this, not add to this, but just repeat what, what has already been been out there in terms of trying to connect the dots. For many years, you have had white Wing think tanks taking position that they want to make Africa, the continent of Africa, to become a, a, a land without people. Now, how do you make the continent of Africa to become a land without people? When they got over billions of people on the continent. And they know that you just can eradicate the people just through physical war to shooting a bummy. So what's the best way or what is another good way of doing this? That's what they have stated in some of their objectives of game plan. This has been years ago. Even recently Well that even recently if yeah. You say you want to get rid of the virus, you want to help the world, you can make medicine for the whole world so they can get rid of the virus. Then why is the U.S. government, why is the U.S. capitalist system is trying to deny Cuba from helping countries to deal with the virus pandemic? Why is it they will not allow their doctors and their medicines to be applied here and around the world, which has already been proven a lot more effective? Why is the NADA attacking the Cuban policies of trying to prevent them from being able to send doctors in other countries to help other countries in need? How you take anything seriously that would come from this particular government and the system, panelists? I don't get it. It just do not add up. I just use my basic common sense
2: it doesn't and um you know i think i I grew with you brother Africa completely it doesn't make any sense and um you know uh, a, 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 a lot of it, it, it you know is lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding of history uh in terms of um in terms of why. Uh, you know, the U.S. is trying to prevent other countries from doing business with Cuba. They want to intensify the blockade of Cuba in order to cause uh, such an upheaval that the people will overthrow the government of Cuba. That's been the U.S.'s goal for 60 years uh you know so and and the reason for that is because Cuba represents an ideological threat to the u s just as Grenada did nearly uh you know uh, over thirty odd years ago when it tried to build a socialist society in its country and uh that's one aspect of it another aspect of it is uh they are uh, waging all kinds of campaigns to get Africans to leave Africa and uh and uh what, and I think all these wars the presence of Africa is to make lo- uh living conditions so miserable that uh, that that africans don't want uh that, that don't want to live there and that's why you have so many African youth. Trying to migrate to Europe and and the U.S. to escape the conditions that 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 uh, that they suffer from at home. Not uh, not, create... not not to say that everybody's doing it, but enough to create the perception and the media feeds that negative imagery.
3: Yeah, well. The, uh, the, the U.S. is in decline by the Africa. That is the thing. So one of the things I always tell people, you know, don't be confused with COVID-19. Understand that the demise of the system was put in place long before COVID-19, and they understand that. So they're desperate. So they're doing whatever they have to do to survive. And they realize it's just a matter of time for, this, for, the, for this, the system to collapse, and they understand that. And so they have certain objectives they want to feel, and certainly one of the things they want to do is to depopulate Africa. But, of course, depopulate Africa uh, at this stage of the game, it's going to be very difficult to do unless they take upon themselves at least try by utilizing, you know, all kinds of viruses and infections for the sole purpose, if not at least uh, minimi- eliminating the population, at least minimize the population, make it more easier in terms of for military uh, intervention. So clearly, you know, you're right, Brother Africa, uh, you know, for anyone who trusts the this, this system, uh, then I don't know what to say to them. If they don't know about if they haven't included by now that it's something fundamentally you're screwed in terms of how the system operates, then I guess they'll never understand that reality. But I think that the reality is that because it is falling, you know, that we can anticipate anything. And Scott's them as far as strategy is concerned. They'll do whatever. And uh, so, you know, all this you know, police killings and um, COVID-19, uh, military intervention in the world is all part of a strategy in terms of trying to maintain longevity. So given that desperation, we should be not surprised at all that when it fundamentally lied to us, it's out of desperation.
1: And one other quick point, panelists, before we make our transition for tonight, I would like y'all to uh, maybe reiterate a little bit more on this issue of how the government has chosen to deal with the protests in Portland. One of the lessons we may want to look at and maybe we can learn from, is that we can't forget the various forms of technologies that have been developed for facial recognition. A lot of these special troops that are going into the protests and kidnapping, kidnapping people, they are not kidnapping people at random. They already know precisely what you look like and who you are. I think these kidnapped people, uh, people are people targeted as a means to try to put a blow to this continued protest. Your response and then I you all to say your final thoughts for tonight's program, part two, the killing field. While us, your response.
2: Yes, I think, I think that what uh, that the, the observations just made, brother Africa speaks to importance of us forming permanent political organizations.
1: Uh,
2: Because one of the methods the enemy is going to resort to is uh, trying to snatch individuals they believe could uh, have the ability to galvanize the people. And, uh, you know, that's why... um, you know, uh, you, uh, you know, such catalysts as Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, uh, you know, were assassinated because uh, 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 they uh, they felt that they had the ability to uh, to bring organization to our people. So we've got the uh, we've got to collectivize that effort as much as possible so that uh, you, uh, uh you, you know, uh uh some of us are taken out, the struggle continues.
3: Yeah, yeah, one of the uh one of the uh technologies are using the drones to identify who the who the uh, protesters are. Uh, in addition to that they're also putting pressure on the, the news media to give up pictures that they may take of the protesters. So clearly they're trying to identify uh, who is participating in it? Potentially, who are the leaders? So as to uh this, these demonstrations, uh, so they can die out. Uh, clearly, but that's what they do. That's what they've always done. It's, it's not a new strategy. Uh, but I think one of the things that that is new is that there's been a concerted effort uh, by Republicans, specifically, with some Democrats, uh, to keep the flow of weapons, military weaponry uh, from the from the uh, from the Pentagon to the police department. Uh, so, clearly, they're, they're preparing for something big. They're preparing for, ultimately, you know, uh, to be in a position to, to wholesale kill lots and lots of people in a relatively short period of time. And so, again, it's indicative of the fact that um, the, the system is, is in decay. So, no one should be surprised about the kind of shenanigans that they engage in in terms of, you know, trying to prevent the people's will from expressing themselves you know, in the society.
4: You know, apparently, Brother Moses, your response. Yeah, you know, um, we have a law and order president now. He's, he's still concerned about people dying and getting killed, and, and he's concerned about riots. And Jesus, and he's showing his fascist self as, as usual. And so, you know, this this uh, this situation is is, is is predictable. I mean, it's it was before he was elected, you could see it coming. And so, you know, we have definitely got to end his reign. Thank you. And
1: one more real quick article. I just want to touch something on this issue because I found it very dialectical and very diabolical in terms of how they can... Take your position as it relates to us and put us in harm in either way. We damn if we do and damn if we don't. And that is something really interesting in Oregon, in the state of Oregon. There's an interesting article um, to our listening audience. If you get a chance, please check this article out. It's titled, People of Color Are Exempt from Oregon Countries, from Oregon County." mandated mass order. In other words, there's not a mandated mass order for African people in the county of Oregon because of the historical relationship of profiling African people saying they look very criminal and the police were shooting them. So now they telling them you don't have to wear these masses for those reasons. What do y'all make of that panelists? Is another way of, of resolving that issue, which I think you can. But anyway panelists your thoughts on
2: that? I think it's a very insidious form mm-hmm. of putting Africans in greater danger, because uh, uh, the, the, the 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 purpose of masks is to try to prevent uh, people from spreading COVID nineteen, and uh, the U.S. doesn't have. Uh, have a good handle to this day on who does who does who does not have this uh 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 virus so i think it uh it, I, I i think by uh you know this county requiring uh making it uh exempting them from doing that because um uh the mass uh you know arouses the suspicions of um you know, uh, you, you know, these uh, European police forces is uh, unfair and puts uh, the Africans living in that area at risk of catching the disease.
3: Yeah, it's definitely catch-22. I mean, if the prevailing wisdom is man's protects then to tell people not to wear masks simply because of the fear that the police might shoot you, I think on his on his face is disingenuous. I think it's designed to facilitate the most division as possible between African the African masses and and and, uh, and others in society. So I think it's part of a political deployment.
1: Yeah, brother Moses.
4: Here, yeah, now this this mass thing. I mean, it's like a, a cheap cheap trick or something. I mean, it's that a cheap way of um, giving lip service to. A to black people and people of color, and, uh, and at the same time, really doing nothing you know, in, in terms of helping or empowering people. As a matter of fact, it's it's, um, um, it's, it's it's hurting them in the long run by not wearing the mask. So, you know, it's a cheap trick. That's how I see it. Thank you. Thank you. So, brothers and sisters,
1: I think our the di- article, Well, under the Different Forms of specific- Specification They use Against Us to Find All Kind of Ways to Eliminate Us. These are some of the things that are going on in the Killing Field. Why us? Hey, you be the judge. So at this point in time, panelists, we would like for you all to do is give us your final thoughts for tonight. This has been part two of the Killing Field. Us
4: and we start off with Brother Moses. You'll find it to us for tonight. Thank you, Brother Africa. Um, it's been interesting as usual, and uh, I think you know we have to we have to really be organized. We have to get more and more organized. People joining the organization, um, and uh, and uh, we need we need leadership now more than ever. And, uh, and I, I just hope that we're up to the. To the, the card. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Brother Moses, for your contribution to today's program. We now go to Brother Haki. Your final thoughts for night, Brother Haki.
3: Yeah, I think because we're in a, a state of economic depression, I think one of the things we have to prepare for, uh, uh, one of the things uh, I think uh, is important in terms of because of the depression to get people out of the doors. So people who have jobs currently prepare themselves for all kind of microaggressions, uh, all kind of uh, demeaning behavior to- towards you as a means to get you out of the door. Uh, so clearly uh, we can anticipate that and we should expect that, but not to let that impact us to the extent that we become um, um, disheartened. Uh, but we have to understand the struggle is a long, protracted one, but nonetheless it's one we have to undertake. And so regardless of what happens to you in the workplace, understand that um, your, your voice, uh, your person, your ideas are so valuable in terms of the overall uh, movement, and we encourage people to definitely um, to continue that struggle, and, and regardless of what happened not to give up. Uh, having said that, Brother Africa, of course, always encourage people to, to unravel the matrix, uh, because unraveling the matrix, there's no way we conceivably, we can understand uh, the, uh, just how insane the society is. So having said that, Brother Africa, you have a good night.
1: Thank you, Brother Haki, for your contribution To today's program And we go to Brother Anthony Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight
2: My final thought for tonight Is that um, We have to uh, uh, Intensify efforts To form uh, Independent political organizations uh, Because History has uh, has shown us that uh, that the Democratic and Republican parties are the enemies of uh, the mass of humanity, and especially our people. So we have to form our own political uh, organizations. One such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. And you can find out more about us by visiting our website at www a Or you can call us at 202-246-4896 uh, to learn more about uh, our organization and the uh, struggle to achieve Pan-Africanism, which is the ultimate solution to the problems we're facing now. Thanks. And have a good night.
1: Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contribution to today's program, Brother Anthony. Real quickly, if you can, can you do you remember that link on Africa in the world? Thanks, Africa. Thanks, Cuba. Where the people can go to the to listen to after we end in this particular program.
2: Okay, give me
1: a second. Let's wait for the link. we like to encourage y'all after this program is completed. Please go and check out um, the program, Africa and the World Thanks Cuba. This weekend has been a beautiful program, and last weekend was as well a beautiful program. I mean, at the mm-hmm. minimum, we cannot commit the error to Brother Kwame to restate it, that that's the worst error to commit, and that's the error to being. Uh, ungrateful. We cannot be ungrateful. Cuba has done so many things for Africa, African yes. people in the world, and to bare minimum we can say at least thank you. So if you get a chance, you can check their profile And out. Uh, here's, after, here's here's the need. link. Uh huh. The
2: link is www.twitch.tv slash Africa in the world thanks Cuba. All one word.
1: The audience, check it out, support the program. Until like next time, remember this is Africa on the move. We are programmed and dedicated to defining things and stand behind it. We're gonna stand in the seat and we're gonna take the heat. We like to hear your voice, we like to know what's going on in your community and your world. Because remember, while information you cannot think and while organization you cannot think clearly. You have been listening to Part 2, The Killing Field, while we look forward to seeing you next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. For the next 15 minutes or so, we're going to bring you some revolutionary music, and we'll see you next week. Remember, let's go forward, forward, backwards, and backwards. And Pan-Africanism is the key. It will set all African free. We'll see you next week. This is Brother Africa speaking.
0: Michael, eles não ligam pra gente.
6: Just can't stand much more. Like the forest buried beneath the highway, never had a chance to grow. Never had a chance to grow. And now it's winter. know, people know it's winter, winter in America, and ain't nobody fighting, nobody knows what to say, save your soul, Lord knows from the winter in America, With free society Struggled but they died in Frank And now democracy Is a drag time on the collar A old friend falls to Frank That looks like he's a old friend A old friend falls to Frank And I see the robber Twisted parents I last is raise the heads, marching across the floor. With like the black peace behind us that vanished in our dreams. Never had a chance to go home. Never had a chance to go home. And now it's winter. And all of the healers have been killed or betrayed Yeah, but people know, people know it's better I know it's winter and I'm No.